Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower this week. It is Senior Bowl week, uh, satellite edition here for Katie and myself with some media credentials and uh, checking out the video from afar, doing the best we can to uh, scout the players that we would ordinarily be doing in Mobile. I do want to remind you at UTHDynasty.com, you can get premium podcasts beyond this weekly show with Katie, Jordan McNamara, uh, Tim Torch, myself, um, UTH subscribers and listeners uh, doing things like draft interrogations. Uh, Katie did one over the weekend that's been released uh, that was just a big knowledge drop kicking off the offseason for your dynasty startup strategy, player selection, team building concepts, all of that uh, encapsulated in one uh, giant mega show. Uh, they're encompassing her draft and her plan uh, here in January. Uh, so things like that are are paramount and key features to uh, the general manager plus subscription there. You can get the shows on any podcasting device you so choose. We got a UTH Dynasty trade calculator um, as well as Dynasty rankings, uh, Devi metrics, and everything you need to have your best drafting and trading season yet here in 2021. And uh, Kitty and I were just sharing war stories before we pressed record of, of our experiences. You know, this is going to be brand new. And guess what? It would have been brand new if we were going with the uh, with the current climate and how things were uh, changing for the Senior Bowl. Either way, whether it's in person and now we're we're scouting satellite, uh, doing the best we can, as mentioned. So we we both did get to watch some of the tape. It's coming out. Uh, again, it's not live fire like the the, the typical uh, you know afternoon practice schedule. If we were there in person, and there was a bit of a scare uh, in Mobile that they ended up saying that it was going to be inclement weather on Tuesday. Chad's Chad's nightmare <laughs> scenario if 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 we did go this year, but they ended up uh, changing that course, and I guess the weather cleared, and uh, haven't had you know two days and uh, no inclement weather there uh, so far, and. Uh, I'm sure that would change our vantage point for the the video as well. But again, we're we're doing this remotely, and now we're gonna we're gonna cover the Senior Bowl for uh, for the information we do have between weigh in uh, some of the things we've heard, as well as watching the tape that we have uh, scrubbed on our own, Katie. So it's an it's an open canvas. Uh, where would you like to start? Whether it's your vantage point now changing from in person to to remote, or uh, just kick it off with any player position you so choose. One of the things that I like about the remote video is that we're able to slow it down, go frame by frame, select, you know, when you got one-on-one wide receivers or blocking for running backs or tight ends against the defense, you can slow it down and really parse the data. Um, It becomes very clear and very obvious to me, (laughs) you know, when I was looking at the American team, and I, I watched, you know, more of their tape than I have the national at this point, but I'm looking at their wide receivers and there's only three of them that I'm that impressed with out of nine, eight, 
nine. Out of nine wide receivers, there's only three. And of those three, there's still warts. There's still things that they need to do to add to their game. And I was, I was thinking, wow, the national team must have much better wide receivers. And then when I started watching them, there's only one. There's only one right now that I'm thinking has any kind of NFL potential and the rest are like, mm. so <laughs> it, it's just interesting to be able to listen to what Twitter is saying. And, and some of the comments, especially like Eskridge has been just bombing practices and things like that. So far, I haven't seen it. And maybe, and maybe he does go around one, but if he does, that's an avoid in my opinion, based on all the other wide receivers that aren't even here at the senior bowl. So uh, you want to start with wide receivers, Chad? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And I've gone through uh, two days of practice for the, uh, for the national team. And that includes um, Dearness uh, Eskridge, Tyler Wallace, Nico Collins. Um, Dominique Felton was actually one that was a running back at UCLA. And I see him out there, you know, that he's with the wide receiver group. And I actually think I saw with the, it said wide receiver for the weigh-in. So this was a Antonio Gibson like situation where, uh, you know, position, maybe not quite sure going into the week. And, and he is with the wide receiver group firmly. You've got Des Fitzpatrick with that team, Sage Surratt with that team, uh, Skowronic, Skowronic, uh out of Notre Dame, uh, Cade Johnson, uh, he's one of the small schoolers, and Frank Darby out of Arizona State. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's deep groups for, for both. Uh, you get a ton, a ton of one-on-one type reps in a variety of different settings. And, and really wide receiver is one of those cornerstone positions you get. To me, and this is going back all the way to the first senior bowl year we, that we went, where I mean, you get a lot of reps and it's back-to-back, similar routes. And uh, I would say it becomes pretty clear and pretty quick on the ballers versus the the probably trying to hang around on an NFL jump chart more than anything. Um, And, you know, just to maybe parse it out in the have and have-nots, let's say, um, I think of this group, Tylen Wallace has been the clear-cut, professional, well-rounded, um, guy that I mean he's taken every rep seriously and he's rarely not being successful whether it's separating when he gets two hands on the ball he's making the play and uh, you kind of I mean I kind of expected that I mean he feels like one of the high end you know if, of, of the typical wide receivers you see at the senior bowl you know Cooper Cup and guys like that where you know you typically don't get round one guys out here and pl- practicing and things like that where Tylen Wallace is pretty much on the, the upper crust of, of wide receiver level that you typically see at the senior bowl, which is, you know, day two could be high end, you know, and a guy that came back for a senior season and had an NFL profile last year. Um, so for me, it's been, you know, if you want to divide it into about three different tiers, it would be Tylen Wallace, and then there would be others in tier two and tier three. Um, but for me, that's what, what kind of stood out. And I, I, I kind of expected to see that, but I always go in with a blank s- slate of what will I see and process it and uh, digest it uh, within its weighting of, of the entire process. No, absolutely. And my notes on, on Wallace from what I've seen so far 
speed, suddenness. He's a good seller of his routes, which is very important in the NFL. If you're going to make that transition, you've got to be able to sell your routes to, to the defensive back. And uh, he's a very good route runner. He is the number one on the national squad. But outside of that, I've got under Nico Collins, my comment is, ugh, he's a sloppy route runner. He's a bad tracker of the football. He's not a good route runner. Um, Felton, I have a as a maybe, but he leads the defensive back right to the catch point. He can get shifty, so he has some potential. I know he's a possessional convert, maybe with him. Uh, Skaronic. Well, can I say something about can I say something about Felton for a second? Sure. That um that so if you were you you watched Tuesday, you know from from yeah. what you said and just just watch him take a note because I did think he looked better today. Um, as again, some guys acclimate quicker and he just looked a little more comfortable at the position. And I, I kind of wrote, you know, it looked like he was a positional convert in that day one. And then uh, day two of practice, I, I just thought he looked, so if you, if you saw some promise, I, th- I think you're going to probably warm a little more. Uh, even from where you were, I think you probably will bump up a little bit uh, based on based on the next day that you watch. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly none of these are death knell on yeah. day one of practice, yeah. but um, I do have him as a maybe. And uh, Sage Surratt, he's physical. He gains a little bit of separation, but route after route after route, Still no separation. There's a guy no right notes. on him all the time. Like yeah, he's gonna have exactly. to live, and and he doesn't have he doesn't really have late speed either. Like when the the few deep routes, it's like there's a guy right there. And unlike Tylen Wallace, for example, um, or a few of these other guys, um, you know, like Eskridge, that they actually can separate late. And but but he's gonna have a guy in his pocket. Not saying you can't. You can't live in the NFL doing that over and over again, but I just don't think his his hands and feel are good enough to live that way. No, and I, I agree. I, I I've already got him pretty much. Unless right. I see marked improvement very quickly, he's off my board. Same thing with Skaronic. Um, I've got he's slow and yeah. no and ouch. Those are all comments that I wrote. Well, he, it's like, he's um, clunky. I almost wondered. Like he's a guy I wasn't tracking at all, and he yeah. feel, he feels like a. You look around and maybe they had two declines, and they're like, let's call a Skaronic kid. Like it feels like, uh, you know, you want every guy there to sort of like. There's a. This is gonna sound horrible, but again, we're in the scouting business, so it's you know you want every person there to have like a point, and I don't know if there's a big point to him being there. Right. And uh, same thing, I, I would lump Kay Johnson and Frank Darby in those same exact. Um, oh, really? I've got no, 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 and ouch for Kay Johnson. Really? And, I actually liked what I saw. Eh, we disagree. Well, okay. But day He's one. smooth. Okay. I'll watch some more, but no, I, I didn't think that okay. he was a good seller of his routes. And you've got to, in the NFL, if you cannot sell your route, you're not going to get separation. And then same thing with Darby, not a good separator. Yeah. Well, uh, Darby is a, he's a, he's a, he weighed in light. And then I was like, all right, well maybe let's see if, cause I thought he was a risk to run like four, six, four, six plus. And this week I, when I saw that he weighed in under 200 pounds, I was like, all right. So hopefully, 
you know, like, like I have another guy that I'll mention during the, for the senior bowl rosters that, you know, you, if you drop weight, uh, your movement should be, you know, improved and, and, and impressive. And for Darby, he's still not really moving all that well. Um, he kind of moves like a guy that's two or three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. And again, it just, it, it's not aligning for me. Darby was a guy that I didn't know much about coming into the week. And I still think he's at risk to run a poor time. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, okay. Uh, and Des Fitzpatrick was one that, I mean, he's kind of, he's had a few moments. He hasn't really stuck out positively or negatively too much for me. Um, I do wish with Fitzpatrick that, I mean, he's gotten out muscled a few times for the ball um, yeah. at, at the catch point where it's like, I mean, you're six two, two hundred plus. I mean, you've got to have that alpha. You know, it's almost like Josh Doxson in the NFL. You know, where it's just like, where's that? You know, where's that my ball mentality that you showed in college? And and Fitzpatrick is is sort of like that. You know, turning a little meek in this uh, the first couple of days for me. And I think that's pretty typical of Louisville wide receivers, to be honest. We had um, that about Devontae Parker for what three years at least. Yeah, I mean it. it Fitzpatrick, if he is to make it in the NFL, I think he will be a very late, yeah, very late bloomer. Um, well, dime a dozen, right? I mean, there's so many of these guys where you're like, best case is what, like fifth round, you know, and right, and right. more than half of them are going to be probably undrafted. And a lot of the a lot of these guys are not going to beat the juniors that are ahead of them. Well, exactly. Like, there's so much talent at the wide receiver spot. I think that there's going to be six or so wide receivers drafted in the first round of the NFL and maybe six or seven in round two. There's not that many wide receiver spots open in the NFL right now. If you look at free agency and everything else, where are they going to land where they will have an opportunity to blossom or learn? A lot of these guys will just get buried. And so to be realistic, the only one that I see on the national squad that has a chance is Tylen Wallace, and that's it. Right, and, that's and I think, it. To, and that's I think it. to remember what? is if you don't if you don't make it onto day two, I mean your allegiance level of even making the fifty three is, I mean, again, the number of guys coming out of rookie drafts that will that will be in consideration for your typical dynasty draft slash roster is going to be like a couple guys, you know, out of. 20, 25, 30, and, and a cross-section of them are here this week. Um, Dwayne Eskridge has been one that I've seen in passing. Again, I always do my own stuff before I kind of check in to, to see or hear other things. But he's been, uh, like Kadarius Tony, a guy that's been been flashing across my timeline out of Western Michigan of, you know, just look at, you know, and I've seen a couple moments is what I'd say. But we need to keep in mind, I mean, now there's talk that he's going to rise way up. He's a 24-year-old, and his dimensions are, are small. This is not an overt producer. And coming into this week, I had no expectations, positively or negatively. But when he gets a free release, and again, this I think this is typical for, for smaller receivers, and he is one, that when you, when you have a free release, you know, he can, you know, he's going to get on top of you and he's got that phone booth, you know, jab step at, you know, in the first two yards. And yeah, I mean, he's going to out leverage you and, and now you're on skates, but anytime, you know, a DB was in close proximity to him or bodied up with press coverage, he struggled. 
he struggles, you know, at the top of his route. If he doesn't already have space to kind of move freely, he gets out muscled at the stem, you know? So this environment where you see a couple plays and he also has had, uh, today's practice so day two um i already i counted a couple of drops for me it was he had a better day one than a day two and so i just he is one that i think if you drink the kool-aid and see a couple highlights a la amara darbo you're going to kind of get sucked in a little bit where wasn't he the one you mentioned that has some like buzz about being round one round two like this big riser you that's know, what a, twitter that's what twitter big media is now saying which yeah. I welcome that kind of talk because right. that's going to put him but in a position. But there's no way. There's no I way know. he's in the top. I agree. No, but no, but even in the, it, let's fast forward to late April. There's no chance. There's no chance he's in the top six or seven wide receivers off the board. That's just, that's categorically insane. But anyway, it is. But, it but, is. Any, but, but anyway, so just keep that in mind. I mean, we're talking about a sub-sized player that, that again, I just said, I mean, he's going to struggle and I don't think he's a scare a DB into playing off coverage a lot. Like what do you see from Tyreek Hill or Brandon cooks or some of these types where it's like, they put the fear of God in you. And I just, I don't see that, that, that level of explosion from Eskridge to say that DBs and and defenses are not going to play, you know, not going to play up. So you know, again, guy in his hip pocket, and and I saw a lot to be desired um, in those situations because you're not going to get off coverage and a guy that that probably he's going to be. And keep in mind, I mean, these wide receivers are going up against DBs that are in the same setting. You know, these are not the absolute best at the position. Certainly not. You know, all of them aren't NFL caliber. So they're still operating as big man on campus to some degree here at the senior bowl. It's escalated for a lot of these t- players from their typical environment in, in conference play or their own team or things like that. But um, again, I, I just, there's, there's still another two levels to go here before you start winning consistently in the NFL as well. So just, that's why you want to have that Cooper cup threshold here of, I mean, he was just winning over and over and over again, making it look like it was a, you know, a, a, a wiffle ball league, you know, when, when he was playing uh, a few years ago and you saw, again, he goes round two and then he, uh, and, and then he starts to do his thing in the NFL level. Um, so that's sort of my senior bowl type threshold for, what does domination actually look like? And this is not it. Well, and the, the other thing to consider and remember is that when you have one-on-one wide receiver against defensive back, the wide receiver can cheat. The wide receiver can cut off the route and go on a dig route, you right. know, two steps earlier than what they normally should because in a one-on-one situation, they're just trying to win right. that battle. Do triple but moves. in 11 on 11, right. when it's when you really have everything else going on, if you cheat and you try to cut off two yards on your route, some other guy is going to be in the way, a defensive lineman or, or somebody else will be disrupting, even though that defensive back, even though you may cheat that defensive back, you're not going to win and you're going to cause an interception for your team by – cheating the route. And some of these guys were cheating the routes. Once they ran them a few times, you could see them cut them off short just to make sure that they look good on tape and won that particular one-on-one battle. And that to me is just as bad as somebody that doesn't get the separation. 
And that's one frustrating thing is that, right, it's not, it doesn't really mimic because when you see them go to seven on seven or 11 on 11, the other part of that is now you see a quarterback that, and one of my biggest gripes at the senior bowl is, and they tell this, you know, you see, you hear them on the, the broadcast of the NFL combine every year is you hear them talking to the quarterbacks of let it go. You're throwing it to a cone. You're throwing it to a spot, you know, make them extend, make them make a play on the ball. And a lot of times these, these quarterbacks guide the ball. They hold it like so many times a receiver comes out of his route, even if it's on, like I mentioned, sevens or elevens that, that they're just, they're, they're guiding, guideposting the ball that, that they wait, wait, wait until they see it. And that's a really bad habit because it shows zero anticipation and you can't wait in the NFL until the guy shows open three steps. You know, you, you wait two steps after he makes his break. Now you throw it. And, and all of a sudden that guy goes into another defender, uh, the ball hangs and the DB recovers. It's just a myriad. And that's the thing that drives me nuts with more than half of the quarterbacks at senior bowls annually is that they hold it, they hold it, they hold it. And it really doesn't give enough, um, you know, intermediate and downfield opportunities to wide receivers because they're always looking check down. They're always looking complete the pass, you know, keep the chains moving, if you will. And, and they wait for something to be declared in a college wide open when uh, this is not it. So the senior bowl is a transitionary step to the NFL and you need to get comfortable with NFL anticipation and NFL open because it's a big, big difference. Yeah. And as far as the American team goes, um, I think their wide receivers are better overall than the national, but I've got three that I've mm-hmm. got circled. Amari Rogers is number one. He's phys- he's got a physical release versus man, and he's got clean hands. He sells his routes, which is the most important thing. Uh, but more than once I've written clean hands, you know, sticky hands, just, He's got the hands. I I think he's underrated. I think he, I have him right now as my number one sleeper for this year's draft. Um, I think he's going to go late or later, but he can play special teams. He he's that thick. He's a wide receiver and running back body, and he was a five star athlete coming out. I think he's got all the talent in the world. If he sticks with a roster. I think that he could be fantasy relevant. So I've got Rogers number one, and then his teammate Cornell Powell. I've got him number two right now. He's got some extra steps, but he has nice catch. He partially sells his routes. He's got to become better at selling his routes. He's got soft hands. Shy Smith is my number three right now. He's pretty fluid. He can read the leverage and he keeps the D from cheating and, you know, he's very athletic. He doesn't always sell his route, but he uses his own leverage to get there. Outside of that, I think that uh, Kadarius Tony, I've, I've got him as overrated. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people love him. He's off balance. He, he body catches. He doesn't sell his routes. He tries to always win with one step and then speed. So from what I've seen so far, not that impressed. And then the rest of them, pretty much, I've got yuck next to their name. Um, I wanted to like Trevon Grimes. I really wanted to like him. He's got big strides, but he doesn't sell his routes. He rounds his routes. Uh, 
He's really not a refined player. I mean, that no, was the thing not. that was the thing that struck me. I mean, we're talking about an elite recruit. He goes through programs and four years in really didn't produce much at all. And yet you see a guy that, uh, again, straight line. But the point is, he never gets to the straight line. Like you got to win at some point to actually be able to open up your gate in the in the open field and on a deeper route. This is a guy that really should be shredding guys, you know, with his frame and with with where he stood in the hierarchy of the position at 18 years old. I mean, it's really it's one of those tales. I mean, because he was an he was an incoming freshman. I'm sure that was Debbie drafted and. Yeah. You know, I mean, and this is just an example of you just keep miring away, miring away. And this is basically your big opportunity because your body of work in college was not up to par. I mean, he is one that he's on the day three spectrum and and I he, I would have him a little lower than that. I mean, where I had him projected with what I saw from some big, big box sites with mock drafts and, and rankings and all that is like on the round four or five spectrum. And I would go lower than that because, you know, he, no way, you know, should he be ahead of Amari Rogers, for example? I mean, I would have Nico Collins ahead of him. She Smith. I mean, a number of these guys and another guy that, again, I'm, I'm withholding judgment. Uh, I want to see all three days. Um, but a guy that, that I think has shown some promise is Austin Watkins um, out of UAB. Um, I think he's got legit, um, you, if you don't press him again, I mean, if he gets on top of you, he has that type of uh, athleticism and speed and separation late in routes. Um, and I think he's an underrated route runner. So he's not one of my top one or two guys off of this team, but he's definitely in that next grouping where I want to see more. Um, and I, one comment I had on uh, who did you? Oh yeah, uh, Kadarius Tony feels like the Dwayne Eskridge of this team. You know that that people want people want to look at the best two or three plays and say this is it, this is him. And the scary part with Tony is he's actually projected in the top 50, 60, 70 right. of the yeah. of the draft. See, that's the that's the danger part. See, Eskridge would be the quote unquote riser coming from the depths, and who knows where what that means. But they're both but dangerous. But Tony's already ways. up there. To see Tony's yeah. already was already up there before this week, and this is only fueling the fire. Now that's good news if you don't like him. I mean, because that's a distraction player. But for for legitimate, for legitimate, you know, straight up, what what should the rankings or what should the hierarchy be here? I mean, Tony is a guy that, I mean, th- we always say, think of it this way, right? Is he an NFL number one wide receiver? It's binary. So the answer is no. Is he a number two? Uh, no. So if he's a number three, you need to have a very specific ceiling of what that actually means and where you would rank him, uh, wh- how you would value that, and really what NFL teams should should use as their guidepost for what round that means. You know, if you're already thinking completely ancillary guy that could maybe exploit secondary coverages, that would be the thing. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about, um, and this is off the field, I mean, what do you think about Devonta Smith uh, not getting height and weight? What was your kind of reaction to that? I'm not surprised. I I wouldn't, if I were him, uh, he's most people recognize that he's not big and have already knocked him for that or accounted for that. And I don't think he wants to justify or add to the fuel to the fire of what his actual weight and size is. Do you think, do you think he is it? It's not I think ma- it confirms for us that he is 
Right. Well, then he's not. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, I think it draws in. I mean, he could, it's possible. If you look at him, I mean, it's possible he weighs in at 160s. That's possible. Right. But, and probably what it takes out is the 180s possibility. I mean, it would be like, right. 175 might be best case. If you're, if you're bigger than what people think you are, then you weigh in to show it. Right. So he's not showing it. And if you're faster than you than people think you are, you run it, right? I mean, it's right. this, whole, so, this whole premise. So why would Devonta Smith, even at his pro day, weigh in? It's not mandatory. I don't right? know that he will. Well, I don't, exactly. I, don't. I put out a poll and I was like, "Where? what's he going to weigh in at? And I was like, I was like, and one of the options was none. You know, he won't. He'll right. avoid. Like these, I, I remember, remember, remember 20 years ago, first round NFL running backs, they didn't run. They didn't do anything. They were like, look up. Well, look, you want to scout me? Watch my tape. And that was right. it. And then we go right. top five in the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, Devonta Smith, there, he if just won if, the Heisman. What does he got to do? Right. And this is a little different than, oh, I had a bad day, you know, running the 40 or whatever it is. This is literally, he can get on the scale every day and kind of judge for himself. Should I put this out there? Yeah. If, if, I, was his, if I was his agent, I would be like, you are not getting on a scale. If it doesn't say at least 175, you are not getting on a scale, period. Right. And here's the other no. part. If he's not going to run at his pro day, then he can't bulk up either. Because if he's right. going to run routes or, I mean, at some point, I think you with the highly competitive wide receiver space, you've got to do something. And the, the danger of if he artificially tries to bulk up beyond what he's ever played at, you run the risk of not showing well on positional gr- drills or if you are going to run something. So that's the danger of, of doing that, of getting beyond your sort of play zone. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people I'm sure chirping in his ear. Yeah, I don't blame him for not wanting. To. He's here for the interviews. He's here to talk to people. Right. Uh, he's not here to weigh in. Okay. So um, uh, anybody stand out running back wise? Have you? Oh, that's right. You didn't really watch. I looked at the blocking. Um, I I got to see a little bit of the American team. The only one that scary blocking, right? (laughs) There's some some scary pass pro blocking in the in in this year, and typically there's a few wide running backs that stand out where it's like, ooh, this is going to be a scary part of their uh, sticking on an NFL team. Right. So the only one that stood out positively on the American team was Chris Evans. Um, he had a good mirror technique. He slides his feet. Yeah. He stays between the defense and his quarterback, and he moves the defense out of the way uh, of the passing lane. Um, Mitchell lunges forward with his upper body, keeping his feet in a planted position, so he's got no balance and bad blocking, just period. I don't see him improving yeah. at all. Unfortunately, um, Elijah Mitchell is more of the receiving – like if he makes it in the NFL – it's going to be as a, you know, a receiving centric, you know, maybe change of pace type. And unfortunately, I mean, you kind of got to go both ways, you know, with, with pass pro. So yeah, I I had three or four negative notes from, from day one for, uh, for Elijah Mitchell. And that's, that's unfortunate because um, again, he's, he's a pretty smooth receiver. Unfortunately, that, that could be a roadblock to him getting an opportunity. And Chris Evans was one, he was on the Debbie landscape, right? Like in this first year or two, And I wasn't, I wasn't really tracking him too much. Um, I, I don't know if he was ever in the projection model, but I put him back in there. I think he's got a shot, you know, because I think, you know, he runs good enough routes. He's big enough. He weighed in at 219. And I yep. think he's going to, I think he's going to run reasonably well. So I think he's got a shot as one of those, 
you know, does he slip into round six, seven? Is he undrafted? We'll track where he goes, but he's got a shot depending on situationally. Can he crack, you know, does, can he crack a 53 as a running back three or four? Um, but he's at least on that. He's interesting. Otherwise kind of, kind of skill set. Yeah. And then Kylan Hill, he had decent footwork to stay in good blocking posture. Um, Larry Roundtree, he was a bit off balance, doesn't leverage his lower body, which to be a good blocker, you've got to be able to use your lower body and move upwards and move the guy out of position. And he just, I don't think he has enough experience at it, but I think it's something he could potentially learn, but I'm not that crazy so far about him. I didn't see any of the national team to be able to tell you. Okay. I'll just, I'll, I'll say a couple things on, on that, that the version of uh, who are we just talking about there? Um, the version of Elijah Mitchell on this side for me was Michael Carter. Um, I do think he's very smooth as a receiver. Uh, he weighed in undersized, uh, you know, well less than I was expecting at two Oh two. So he's already in that sub optimal bucket. So <laughs> we're already operating from that. And the fact that, you know, I, he had three or four different reps. And one of my notes was he's just generally getting pushed around, you know, whether it's at the top of routes or, uh, you know, trying to, uh, trying to pick up blitz assignments and, and, and stone guys and anchor and do all of those things that, uh, again, I mean, I, for a guy that's going to be fighting on likely, you know, round four, five, six spectrum on, you know, for, for his NFL draft position, that you know, that's a running back three or four on a depth chart, and you have to do a lot of dirty work. You know, whether it's special teams um, or to be entrusted to actually get opportunities and be the guy, next man up sort of mentality. I just for, for Carter, I, I just wonder if you can play big for your size. And I'm not saying you know if you're under 210 pounds, you can't pass pro. And you know, I, I'm not saying that stuff because we we see guys in the NFL do it, but you've got to have that that big mentality of, of stoning guys. And I just, I did not see it two days in a row for, for Michael Carter. Um, I will, I will pivot and say a guy that is sort of on the big impressive spectrum for me in terms of didn't know much about him until maybe a, a month or two ago, but uh, Ramondre Stevenson, it started with the weigh-in, you know, that he was, could he be 235, 240 plus uh, there from Oklahoma? He weighs in at 227. And I think it shows, you know, his, his explosion and movement. I mean, I'm really enjoying watching, you know, him that, you know, what was he going to be one of those Ryan Nall kind of positional tweeners. And I don't really get that impression at all. You know, I see a guy that is going to test reasonably well, but he's really been the one running back that you could say absolutely can be almost an, uh, a secondary part of the offensive line. Like he is very rarely being moved. Um, and overall I've been impressed with just all of his game in terms of his movement, route running and blocking. Um, and one that, you know, he's running with, you know, one of the first couple teams and depth charts there, um, with that squad in the nationals. So, uh, yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, they have Najee Harris, for example, not doing much of anything like Devonta Smith, um, and technically on that depth chart, um, you know, again, Stevenson's going to be one that I'm going to be watching him. Uh, oh, Trey Sermon's the other one that's not not doing anything. So, so it's a big opportunity this week and on into the game for Stevenson. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more about him. And 
I really love the fact that Najee Harris, even though his manager or um, agent said, I don't think you should be at the senior bowl. I don't think you should play at the senior bowl. He's like, screw that. I want to be there. I want to compete with these guys. I want to show you guys what I got. Like, I've got no worries. Like, bring it on. And I, I love that. He's a dog. And I, I love to see the fight in the dog. Um, I, I think that running back wise, I think the national team is going to dominate. I think wide receiver wise, American team has better wide receivers than national right now. And then just from the looks of it, even though I haven't seen the national team in their practices from what I've heard and from what I know, I think the national team has the far better tight ends, especially uh, Long and Kenny Yeboa. But I'm not that impressed with the tight ends. They're blocking on the American team. They're not going to make it. None of those guys in the American team, I don't think any of them are going to make it in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I, I it, it was rough to watch, honestly. They have a couple guys, Quentin Morris and uh, Kylan Granson, who – I just I don't I don't think they're going to be able to hang blocking much at all. So and, and a couple of them, you know, they they just they don't look comfortable with their hand down. And um and, and the opposite side was Trey McKitty, um, you know, is probably the best blocker of this group. And yet I think you know he's a little limited as a receiver. Oh, you know, in in terms of that, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's slow to block and he creates a holding situation. Like right. I didn't see where he could really block against some of the better NFL players, he's going to end up holding more often than he is actually blocking in my opinion. Yeah. And I think this really is though this week, especially getting, getting to see both squads that, that you're seeing the difference between Hunter long and basically the field that, I mean, he's the one guy that has a shot at day two and everybody else is like fighting for, for scraps that it's like, round five and beyond. And it's not, it's not particularly close. I think Hunter long has been pretty impressive. What I, the biggest thing is he, he plays with an edge and he checked the, the box when it came to the weigh-in. Yeah. And he's the one guy that you put him on the edge of the line and you put him in these isolated blocking settings and he goes after guys. Like he's actually the aggressor. He doesn't wait for a guy to come into his chest. Um, and he's made some contested catch situations. Um, he actually had a really great adjustment on the first day, uh, back shoulder adjusting. And again, I just think he's the one guy that you say both sides, you know, both sides of an offense blocking and in the passing game that he really doesn't have a big flaw. And I think there's there's pretty significant flaws with everybody else at the tight end position. And it's overall, you know, not the greatest group. Uh, you know, kind of knew that going in. I did have, uh, you know, I, I did have interest and, and wanted to see Kenny Yaboa because I didn't watch him much at Old Miss. Um, but pretty clunky. Like I thought he was going to be receiving centric. I was I saw promise from the weigh in coming in at almost 250 pounds. And I do think he's a build up guy that could run reasonably well for his workout. But he just looks awkward for the position. And um, I mean, I thought, you know, at best, maybe he could challenge for round four. But I think you got to you got to simmer expectations because I don't think his area that you would expect him to be better at receiving is good enough to offset, you know, the limitations he has as a two way player. I agree with that. And I think that he may make it in the NFL, but he will be one of those really long 
late breakout type guys, three, four years from now, you don't need to draft him early, even in a tight end premium, because you're going to be able to pick him up off waiver wires cheap for the next three to four years. uh, If he ends up doing anything. Okay. And uh, yeah, I will say that, that I, I expected Mac Jones. I will say, is he the best quarterback there? Yes. But I will say I expected the differential between he and the field to be bigger uh, when I've been watching him. I mean, the fact that he's he's what's interesting is he's the only guy that the ball is coming out remotely on time. Everybody else is holding it, holding it, holding it. You see, and this is practice where they know they're not going to get hit. I mean, it really is like Kellen Mond is a classic guy in this regard. And Ian Book, I mean. It is like watching paint dry to see him process. I mean, it is taking forever. And then like he like it's seven on seven. You should be carving. You should be carving the defense comfortably. And yet you're seeing, you know, miss misplaying snaps. You're seeing them move preemptively with no reason to move from the pocket. Cause guess what? In college, that's their move. It's primary read and go. And and that just does not fly this week, let alone in a few months. So I just Oh, the, it always comes down to quarterbacks. I mean, we were blessed previous times with, you know, there was Dak Prescott and Baker Mayfield. And I, I just, you get these quarterbacks sometimes where it's just like, oh, ah, this is quarterback play. Because most of them, it's like they have no chance. Unfortunately, they have no chance. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I, I, I haven't studied this year's quarterbacks that are at the Senior Bowl yet. I'm looking forward to it. I've been focusing on the wide receivers and the running backs so far. But when you think about last year and how silly Jalen Hurts looked, silly, like really. And people are trading him now for the moon. They're drafting him in the third round of startup drafts. It's insanely ridiculous just because it's super flex you don't need a quarterback that bad just because a guy is young doesn't mean he's good <laughs> no i'm serious like quarterback is one of those positions where young is being not good young doesn't matter at all and jalen hurts if you trade for him now you're gonna hurts your dynasty team and you look at him last year, he couldn't hang with the guys, the other guys that were Justin Herbert was the best quarterback at the senior bowl last year. Bar none, bar none. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is going ahead of, uh, how does it feel going ahead of Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, right, right. let it go. Yeah. I mean, these are guys that know what they're doing. <laughs> or people that are trading Carson Wentz straight up to get Jalen Hurts. Yep. Got to fix your mistake, Katie. That's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) And Jalen Hurts has not improved his throwing from last year's Senior Bowl. He's a good rusher. I'll give you that. But that only goes so far. Right. Exactly. That only goes so far. So. And guess what? He's not Lamar Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, so so there are different levels of what your rushing potential is, and the other part is they're going to eventually get tired. An NFL team is going to eventually get tired of you bailing on the play that's there, the passing play that's there, and you just running out of it. Eventually, and, and defenses can key on that. It's just yeah, it's 
Oh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I forgot that one where the guy just could not process. <laughs> and he was all over the place. He was all over right. the place. And right. now here we are. Here we are 12 months later, and he's been anointed as the next coming. And he's going in the top 15, 18 quarterbacks in Dynasty. And it's going to take over that salary contract that they've got with Carson Wentz somehow. Yeah. They're going to just dissipate that. Yeah, yeah. They'll just they'll just write it off. It's yeah. all a write-off these days. He's no like, you, it's like on Seinfeld, you don't even know what a write-off is. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, but do you? He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> he's like, but they do, and that's why they write it off. Right. Um, all right. Uh, final thoughts, Katie. Uh, is there a player that you're maybe uh, your first impression was I can go either way here and you think that you'll have a more refined after after two more days of practice? I've I've always really liked Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. I like Clemson. I think they refine and bring more out of their players. They they get them more pro ready than most programs. But the guy that I'm looking forward to on the American team to see how he gets through the week of practices, Shy Smith out of South Carolina. I, I, I like him. He's fluid. He's athletic. He's not as refined. But I think he has potential. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he fares through the week. I think there's a lot of overrated guys. I'm, I'm really interested to see how Kadarius Tony and Dwayne Eskridge end up. Um, but even guys like Trevon Grimes that I expected so much more out of, I just don't see it. I just don't see it with him. There's a lot of good wide receivers in this year's class. And a lot of them are not at the senior bowl. And realistically, there's only going to be one or two that makes it out of this and makes it to a fantasy roster and is relevant. So I, I just try to be optimistic, but realistic at the same time. Yep. Great stuff. Um, I'm going to circle back to, to a guy that I mentioned, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes ago that uh, I want to see how Chris, Chris Evans finishes the year. Fin- sorry, finishes the week because um, again, I, I think he's well-rounded. I think he checks a lot of those super sleeper, deep, relevant, keep on the you know the, the edge of your tongue for final rounds of rookie drafts or just monitoring throughout the summer because he goes undrafted. Um, so, so he has my attention mostly because I think he's going to be super, you know, basically free. Um, whenever you're going to maybe circle back and be like, oh, look at this guy, he's got a shot. Um, so he's going to be the one I want to see if he can be consistent after the the one day of watching him, if he can put together two more days. Uh, also want to call back to, uh, to Katie's, uh, uh, Katie's interrogation room uh, for, his, for her Dynasty startup draft. That's out this week. Um, I also recorded one of my favorite shows of the year, which is UTH Happy Trails, where I look at all the players and what I remember from the players exiting the UTH player value landscape for the trade calculator and, and rankings and all those things. Of, of some young players, some old players, but kind of talk stories for 40, 50 minutes, you know, across 75 players or so that are exiting the landscape. I also did separate shows for all the skill positions for the senior bowl weigh-in, um, those reactions. 
as well as I uh, did want to call out to all the UTH subscribers and super fans that were a part of the UTH startup mock draft. We did a 16 teamer uh, that finished, I want to say a week ago and had some follow-up questions. We had a ton of people uh, weigh in with their, their responses about team building, about the draft itself and about some of the best values on the board. So you'll get a link to the draft as well as all that commentary. And that came out uh, mid this week, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, so all that stuff is over there at utahsciency.com. You can also support the show. You won't hear five minutes of ads about men, men's grooming or wine clubs or any of that stuff um, on this show um, by subscribing over at uh, patreon.com slash UTH. Tim Torch uh, does a weekly show with me, as well as there's some VIP sessions, strategy sessions, and, and bonus content, uh, depending on your tiers of support, uh, which is much appreciated. So for Katie Flower at FF underscore Skyler 399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.